Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Happy New Year. Can you believe it? 2021. Well, we're excited about the prospects for today's program. We're going to look at 2021, a prophetic prospective. We'll bring our six broadcast partners to the broadcast table where they'll be able to look into the new year 2021. Now, none of my broadcast partners are prophets, nor are they sons of prophets. But because of their understanding of world events and what the Word of God has to say, they're going to be able to, with us, look into this next year and see the prospects for the possibility of that prophetic scenario being fulfilled. Well, we're going first to Ken Timmerman. He's our number one always lead broadcast partner on Prophecy Today weekend. We go to Ken with his experience as a international journalist traveling the world. He's a best-selling author, and he's a very good friend of us and so grateful to have him along here on Prophecy Today. Ken, in light of the fact, and I know possibly something strange and unbelievable could happen, but let's just go with the idea that Joe Biden is most likely going to be the next president. What I want to do is look at the Biden administration and geopolitical events, and let's start with this one, Iran and the nuclear deal. Do you believe that Joe Biden will follow through and try to put that Iranian nuclear deal back together in this coming year? Uh, yes, Jimmy. He said that he would. His advisors have said that they would. They were all involved in negotiating it the first time. But, you know, I would be remiss starting off this uh, show, Jimmy, if I didn't give a little heads up to our listeners about January 6th, which is the date that the electoral votes will be opened by the president of the Senate, who is the sitting vice president of the United States, Mike Pence. You're going to be hearing a lot about something called the Electoral Count Act, of 1877. That is the act of Congress that changed the 12th Amendment, changed the procedures for counting the Electoral College votes, and it installed this process of a protest by one member of the House and one member of the Senate. Louis Gohmert of Texas is challenging that in court, and there are memos circulating, which I have seen inside the Trump White House, declaring that the Electoral Count Act, with that procedure that essentially gives a lot of power to Nancy Pelosi, is unconstitutional, and that the vice president alone has plenary power to accept or reject the electoral slates that have been proposed to him. And the motivation for rejecting those slates would be if they have not been chosen by a legitimate election. And there's a great deal of discussion right now inside the Trump White House that the election in Georgia, in Arizona, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, that these were not legitimate elections because they were not conducted according to the rules set out by the state legislatures. That is the, what the Constitution requires, and none of those states carried out their elections according to legislative rules. So I just want to give you that heads up before we get into a potential Biden administration, because it is potential, uh, but it is definitely not a sure thing. Well, in fact, that's why I gave the caveat when I asked you the question in the first place. We can only presume who is going to be the next president, but 
time will tell. And uh, you heard it right here when I was talking with Ken Timmerman on Prophecy Today. Now, in light of the possibility that Biden does have an administration, you already have answered the question about the Iranian nuclear deal. That's a go as far as Joe Biden is concerned. Uh, but he's been talking pretty tough in this last couple of weeks about the Russian intelligence and the cyber attacks. What's he going to do as he goes, if he does, get into office to deal with Russia? Well, what we've seen, Jimmy, with all the announcements, the personnel announcements that he has made, we, we see a return of the so-called professionals. These are people from the Obama-Biden administration, some of them returnees from the Clinton administration. But I would, uh, again, warn that when we call them professionals, what we should really do is make professional an adjective that modifies what they really are, which is globalists. These are all professional globalists. They believe in one world government. They believe that the United States is not the first among nations. They do not believe that we are an exceptional country. Remember President Obama saying the United States is as exceptional as Belgium is exceptional. Now, uh, this is something that we all need to keep in mind. These are professional globalists. They are going to put the interest of China ahead of ours, the interest even potentially of Russia ahead of ours. Now, the big question to me is going to be how they deal with this whole cyber challenge. The Russians and I believe the Chinese and the Iranians as well, at least according to the Department of Homeland Security, have been targeting us recently with intrusive cyber probes with cyber attacks. The latest attack on multiple U.S. government agencies has been attributed to Russia. Will a President Biden unleash our offensive cyber capabilities? That, I think, is the biggest question. We saw Obama do it against Iran with Stuxnet and the successor to Stuxnet in the early days of his presidency. Will they unleash those capabilities? Because they are mighty. They are fearsome. And we have done nothing to Russia so far. So that is a big question mark. I don't have an answer for you. I would have you just keep that on the radar because we do have, the United States does have awesome offensive cyber capabilities. We've only used them two times, actually, against Iran, against their nuclear weapons program. Will a President Biden unleash them against Russia? I tend to doubt it, but let's see. You mentioned China, Ken, in your question as it relates to the Biden administration and Russia. China is going to be a big challenge, and I'm concerned about a Biden administration dealing with China, especially in light of Biden's son Hunter and his connections to the Chinese. What are your thoughts about the Biden administration dealing with China? Well, Hunter Biden is the partner in an investment firm in the United States that he set up with a billion and a half of Chinese government money. Joe Biden himself has boasted of his close ties to President Xi. And he has mentioned several times that he hopes to open a new era of cooperation with the Chinese. This is exactly what the Chinese want. They want to see an administration that no longer puts America first, but that will, quote, cooperate with them, which means that we will essentially, in a Biden administration, give in to Chinese aggression in the South China Sea against Taiwan, and I believe in other places around the world as well. So the Chinese are really looking forward to Joe Biden coming into the White House, should he do so, because they know that they will gain great advantage to a President Biden. 
Ken, what I want to do right now, we've talked about Iran, Russia, and China as it relates to the Biden administration, should that be the next presidential administration. But now let's circle back and give me about 30 seconds on each. That's about the time we have for the next three. Talk to me about Iran in 30 seconds. What do you think they're going to do this next year? Well, the Iranians are desperate for a new Iran deal. They are going to press this early on and Everything that we've heard from Joe Biden suggests that he will press this early on in his administration. They want to get money freed up overseas. They want to be allowed to uh, traffic to sell their oil again. And they want to be allowed to send money to their overseas terrorist organizations, Hezbollah and others around the world. So Iran is desperate to save itself, and they see Joe Biden as throwing them a lifeline. What about Vladimir Putin and Russia in 2021? To me, that is the biggest question mark, because you had all this anti-Russian propaganda, which for the most part was baseless uh, during these past four years. Russia was painted as the evil empire of the old Soviet days. And in fact, Russia is a tired power. Their population is declining. Their economy is declining. They have a, a far, far smaller economy than communist China, and they have no ability to float big companies on the New York Stock Exchange to buy trillions of dollars of U.S. treasuries, as the Chinese have done. So Russia, I believe, is a spent power and not a terrific threat to the United States as long as we do not engage in aggressive nuclear saber-rattling. And that is the one thing that I fear from a potential Biden administration, is that they will rattle those nuclear weapons at the Russians. And then we want to look at China, who has a desire to be number one economically and militarily in the world in a couple of years. What about this year 2021? Well, the Chinese are on the march. Uh, They have successfully maneuvered with COVID. Remember, at the very beginning of the outbreak, they closed their own borders internally. They, They isolated Wuhan, where the virus first broke out. But they allowed travelers from Wuhan to go to Los Angeles and to New York and other places in Europe where they spread the disease. So China managed to spread the virus overseas while containing it at home. Very skillful on their part. They are now in a position to reap the benefits of that economically and diplomatically. They have their own COVID vaccine that they're going to require Chinese citizens to take. They're not going to buy vaccine from other companies. They may have stolen uh, secrets of the vaccine because we know that they have a very sophisticated and broad-based effort to steal biotechnical secrets from these big companies, Moderna and the others who have been developing vaccines. China is on the march. They are going to see no opposition from the United States, and I believe we will see them increasingly active uh, against Taiwan and in the South China Sea at the very early stages of 2021. That's the voice of Ken Timmerman. He's the man we go to for geopolitical events unfolding in our world. His in-depth analysis of these issues are key to our broadcast. Ken, thank you so much. A great year. We're looking forward to having you converse with us in 2021 as well as you have done in the past. Happy New Year, my good friend. We'll talk to you again real soon. Well, Happy New Year to you, Jimmy, and to our listeners. It will be uh, portentous times, for sure. We're going to have to take a quick break. When we come back, David Dolan standing by his Middle East news update for 2021. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. 
How do you like your news? You know, Jimmy, folks are listening to the news every single day, but sometimes they're getting that liberal bent, and we want them to have a different look at the news. Jay, that's correct. I have listened to ABC, CBS, and NBC when I returned from Jerusalem back to the United States, having just witnessed a news event in the Middle East, and hear the commentators over here speaking something almost different. That's why I write the Until Newsletter, and it takes the leading news stories of the month. I give the absolute truth behind all the details in those headlines, and then we look at it from a prophetic perspective. I want to give you the insight from God's Word as to how the political is setting the stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. And Jay's going to give you the phone number how you can get your free copy of Until the Prophecy Newsletter. Just give us a call at 8-PROPHECY-8. That's 877-674-3298. The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy-to-understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy DeYoung aid you in your understanding of this profound end-times prophecy book that God has preserved in His Scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy D. Young's Revelation, a chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. Hi everybody, Jimmy D. Young here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Welcome back to this special edition of Prophecy Today, 2021 a prophetic perspective. I'm calling on all of my broadcast partners to look into the future 2021, not as prophets, but as men who have great understanding of the region or the area they are covering and give us their thoughts about this coming year and what may be going on in that region. We're going to David Dolan, as promised, for his Middle East News update for 2021. David, the fourth election in two years. Wow, I cannot believe it. Never a dull moment in the political arena in Israel. But who looks best for this next election to take place next March? Well, Jimmy, the opinion polls were showing the Likud coming out very strongly with nearly 40 seats. That would be a third of the Knesset. But that was until Gideon Sahar, Gideon Sahar in Hebrew, who was a high-ranking Likud member, quit the party and announced he was forming a new further-to-the-right party called New Hope. And the latest polls show him getting at least 18 seats and the Likud down to 29. Now, the right wing overalls is still ahead by about 63 to 64 seats, but Sahar says he will not join a Likud-led government. He and Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister, have been at odds, and that's been growing. He wants to be the prime minister, so it may be a fractured situation again. Meanwhile, the polls show that the blue and white party of Benny Gantz, 
dropping to just five seats. And in fact, there were some more defections this week from the party, including the foreign minister, Gabi Ashkenazi, who um, is going to try to join another party. It's a bit of a mess in Israel. At least 10 parties show that they will enter the next Knesset, and that's pretty fragmented. So again, it's not clear who's going to end up uh, in charge, but certainly Netanyahu is hoping to remain as prime minister, and it certainly will not be Benny Gantz, whose party may not even pass the 3% threshold to get into the Knesset in the end. So a change of scene there. There's a phrase that's used in Israel, a baligan. You mentioned a bit of a mess. It's going to be a baligan, and you and I will be continually looking at this upcoming election in March of 2021 as we go through the year in our get-togethers. Talk to me about the coronavirus pandemic, the progress. Are they making it? I read an article that Netanyahu said about three weeks is all they need to be able to conquer the coronavirus with the vaccines, the shutdowns, and everything else. What do you know? Well, he did announce this week earlier that he's getting more doses than previously planned, that the two big pharmaceutical companies now distributing around the world are in agreement to give extra vaccines, and the program to vaccinate everyone is moving forward very rapidly, Jimmy, and the goal is to have everybody vaccinated by March and to reopen the tourism industry for Passover. Passover next year will come just four days after the national elections on March 23rd. Although they've announced all sorts of um, restrictions, people can only come from countries that have a low rate of infection, meaning the U.S. wouldn't be eligible right away, or most of the European countries. Tourists would have to fill out the health forms and all sorts of regulations. But 20%, the tourism ministry says, of all jobs in Israel are dependent on foreign tourism. So that's a key uh, part of the economy. They hope to be the first country in the world to have inoculated everyone that wants to be inoculated. That's the goal, and they're moving forward. But there was a bit of a setback earlier this week, Jimmy, when an elderly man with a heart condition died soon after getting uh, the jab. And that's caused some other people to say, well, now we have to look twice at whether we want to get this thing or not. So that's the goal, and they hope to reach it. Meanwhile, they're in the third lockdown. It's pretty extensive. There's not even takeaway allowed, just home delivery of food. Everything but supermarkets and pharmacies are closed, and public transport's been reduced by 50%. But they're hoping to get the rate, which is now about 5% positive rate, down and the number of cases down and be the first in the world to, as it were, come out of this uh, pandemic. We here at Prophecy Today are watching when tourism may be opened up again for those of us here in America to be able to go to the land of the Bible, walk in the spot where Jesus walked some 2,000 years ago. We want to restart our tours, and as soon as that opens up, we will give you information about it. Hope you can come join us. The Palestinians play a key role in the life of each and every Israeli, and the Israeli government as well. Uh, David, talk to me about Hamas and Fatah. These are the two factions of the body politic of the the Palestinian people. Are they going to reconcile in this coming year? Are they going to continue to fight 
and try to destroy the Jewish state? Well, Jimmy, a lot depends on the foreign powers that are supporting them, in particular what Iran does. Iran, of course, is the main backer of Hamas and Islamic Jihad, and those two terror groups earlier this week had joint missile exercises firing rockets out over the Mediterranean. They warned Israel they were planning this. And uh, Hamas also introduced a drone for the first time. Well, they get most of their money from Iran, and Islamic Jihad gets all of its money from Iran. Fatah, on the other hand, does not get money from pretty much anyone right now. Some of the Gulf Arab states still support it somewhat, but the United States has cut off funding. And, of course, the Biden administration, if it comes into power, has vowed to restore some of that funding So that may be a spur to some sort of a peace process. But there's no indication that Iran's going to change its policy of destroying Israel and using these proxy forces, Hezbollah and Lebanon as well, which claimed this week its leader Nasrallah that they've doubled the number of precision-guided rockets in their arsenal and that they can hit anywhere in Israel. So a lot depends on what this major uh, enemy of Israel outside of the country what it does in supporting these Palestinian groups. But reconciliation between the two internally, Hamas and Fatah, I don't see that as being on the cards for this coming year. Most likely they will combine forces to continue terrorism on the Jewish people, will they not? Well, certainly Hamas and Islamic Jihad will continue their terror attacks and rocket attacks. Fatah, again, it probably depends on what the new uh, Biden administration does, if they really try to switch the focus back to the Palestinians and away from the Abraham Accords and this sort of thing, then that may be an incentive for Fatah to stop its support of terrorism and attacks against Israel. But I wouldn't count on it. The hatred of the Jewish state remains very strong amongst all of the Palestinian groups, and we'll probably see, unfortunately, more attacks in the coming year. David, you mentioned the Abraham Accords, which is a very interesting development throughout 2024 Arab nations, normalizing relationships with the Jewish state of Israel. What about these peace talks continuing Arab nations joining in? What are your thoughts? Will this happen in 2021? Again, a lot will depend on the policies that the Biden administration adopts. If they tilt strongly back to the Palestinians, as it were, and supporting Fatah and the Palestinian Authority, and move away from relations with Saudi Arabia and uh, the more moderate Arab countries, uh, which uh, there's indications they plan to do, then we may not see any further progress in that way. Although the next few weeks there is a push from the Trump administration to get Saudi Arabia in particular on board, and that may happen, Jimmy. And if it does, we might see Kuwait, we might see some other Gulf countries join. But uh, we're almost at the limit of who might get on board. Algeria, there's attempts to get them in, but... Uh, and Tunisia as well in North Africa, but they have internal problems that may cause them to resist that. And there continues to be talk that Pakistan may formally make uh, peace with Israel. That's, of course, not an Arab country, but a Muslim country and one that has an alliance with the United States. So we could see some progress there. But again, it depends on where the focus will be from the Biden administration. Will there be any peace talks that will open up between the Israelis and the Palestinians? 
Well, again, if it's pushed hard enough from Washington, it may happen, Jimmy, but there's no indication that the policies have changed uh, on the Palestinian side enough so that serious talks can take place. David Dolan, the man who covers the Middle East, he's done it as a journalist for over 30 years. We reap the benefits of his knowledge, his experience, when he comes to the broadcast table to give us his Middle East news update. David, you've been great this last year. Looking forward to partnership again in 2021. And by the way, Happy New Year to you, my friend. Thank you, Jimmy. Uh, Lord willing, we'll do it. And God bless you. Have a good year. We're going to take a break when we come back. Winky Madad standing by. We'll talk to him about a potpourri of items, issues that we need to deal with for the upcoming year as far as the Jewish people are concerned. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Have you ever wanted to know more about God's plan for the future? Have you ever tried to understand prophetic passages in God's Word, like, say, the book of Revelation, and been frustrated at not being able to figure it out? Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest CD series, Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, will help you gain the ability to understand where to start in your study of prophecy and allow you to read God's Word in a new and exciting way. Understanding God's prophetic Word will allow you to live a pure and productive life until Jesus returns for the church. Keys will help you gain the tools you need to understand the end-time events as foretold in God's Word. Dr. DeYoung lays out a systematic approach to Bible prophecy for those who want to know God's plan for the future. Tracks included are A Roadmap Through the End Times, The Jew in Jerusalem, Daniel and the Antichrist, Ezekiel and Messiah's Temple, and Revelation and Babylon. To order your copy of Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, visit our website at prophecytoday.com. Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. This is a special edition of Prophecy Today, 2021, a prophetic prospective. Last time we were together, we looked at 2020, now projecting into 2021. We're going to start this half hour off with Winky Madad. He is going to talk to us. Winky, interestingly, I have a daily time when I read the Word of God and have prayer. I call it a quiet time. This morning, I was reading, and I was reading about in 1 Samuel, how everything was headquartered there in Shiloh and what happened. And I I was thinking all about you and your family and your little community there in Judea and Samaria. So I just wanted you to know that. And I'm going to talk to you about that area of Judea and Samaria in a moment. But as we look into the future, one thing for sure, there's going to be a fourth election, fourth one in two years. What about the person, the party, and the platform for the candidates upcoming? Give me a quick resume of what your thoughts are. Well, Jimmy, everything, of course, is basically broken apart here. The Blue and White Party that was a, a conglomerate of various center-left groups has broken up. And so we're seeing here in Israel a lot of new initiatives on that sort of seam. But, of course, the problem is most of them basically say, we don't want Bibi, indicating Mr. Netanyahu. Uh, Mr. Netanyahu, on the other hand, happens to be with all the complaints and criticism 
fairly, if not exceedingly successful in running the country. And so it's going to match up again between smaller groups on the center-left. His main trouble, though, of course, will come from his right wing, because a prominently good lawmaker stepped aside to set up his own new party, and there have been some desertions from close to the could within the right-to-right center. And uh, I'm going to guess that we're going to be stuck again with Likud coming out on top and some of the smaller parties having to make, once again, a surrender on their claims not to sit with Mr. Netanyahu at the government or at the cabinet table and move on from there. I don't think there's going to be a major change in the final situation, although I'm not quite sure whether or not Mr. Saar, who's that person from the Kudu who left, will gain the 20 seats he is now showing. If he does, Jimmy, I don't know if my projection holds strong. I was reading that he was replaced by one of the residents there in Judea and Samaria. We refer to them as Jewish settlers. But he's strong with Netanyahu. That might assist. What about the fact that prior to the last election, Netanyahu postponed sovereignty over Judea and Samaria. In 2021, sovereignty of the Judea and Samaria communities, is that possible? Well, Jimmy, Mr. Netanyahu thinks he's going to be prime minister for the next 20 years. <laughs> so his, his plan is to wait until the right moment. He doesn't want to rush anything or push anything. And in that case, many people disagree with him in saying that, for example, we've lost a major opportunity here in the past year or so with the Trump plan coming out at the end of January and no sovereignty being declared or nothing moved on even including Area C, which is a much smaller area here in Judea and Samaria under Israeli rule. So it's always going to be a job of pushing Netanyahu. He works in the right direction. He's got the right idea. It's just that I think he doesn't want to make any waves unnecessarily, and maybe some of the new members of the Knesset or new parties, as I mentioned in the previous answer, will cause him to change uh, course. We last time got together and talked about 2020, focused momentarily on the Temple Mount. Is it going to continue in 2021 to be a great center of controversy with the Palestinians and all that's going on there? Well, Jimmy, objectivity as a measurement, the Arabs of the former mandate Palestine territory, in which in 1947 they gave up their chance to have a state, and we took it, do not have much as a symbol. The terror and the incitement is all negative. So the only positive thing they have is to keep on to the Temple Mount. But the Temple Mount is very crucial because it's important, as we've discussed in the past, for the Jordanian monarch, Abdullah II, because he's so-called custodian, and he wants a finger, if not a foot, in Jerusalem. Erdogan from Turkey, he also wants to be in there. Saudi Arabia is the custodian of Mecca and Medina. Why not Al-Aqsa? So uh, everything is under uh, pressure from all uh, sections, and uh, whether it's the Jews who want to pray and hope to be able to have a temple there, 
whether it's Arabs who simply hope that it's their symbol or other people around, the answer to your question is yes. It will be the center of controversy, of tension, and of struggle. And that's exactly what the ancient Jewish prophet Zechariah, chapter 12 and verse 2, said would be the case, especially in what he referred to as the last days. Well, we talked last week also about how the preparations for the rebuilding of that temple, the third temple, on the Temple Mount are ready and set for them to put the temple up. Is it a viable possibility that that temple may be rebuilt in this coming new year? Jimmy, the temple, I think, will have to wait a little bit longer. If we, as Jews, and I might include the Christians, cannot pray there, cannot contemplate there, cannot take out a Bible and read from the Scriptures, either in Hebrew or Chinese or English or whatever language, because the Waqf still administers the site, and the government policy is not to allow any religious observance in those areas, it's going to be a very difficult time, unless, of course, we have divine intercession, and I never discount that, I would love to be pleasantly surprised in that, but I think God has left man to do the work on earth with guidance, but not with too much intervention, and we just have to follow the book, follow the history, follow our thinking, and uh, hopefully, uh, sooner than later, that goal, that vision will become a reality. I have to say, I do believe that is an absolute, because God's Word says that is the case. Winky, thank you so very much. This last year, you've just been a wonderful broadcast partner with us. Look forward to doing the same this coming year. Lots to talk about, so we'll get together, I'm sure. Thank you so very much. Happy New Year to you. Jimmy, Happy New Year to you and our listeners. Thank you again for having me on the program. Everybody should have good health. Goodbye to you and our listeners. Very interesting conversation with Winky Madad as we look into the upcoming year 2021. Of course, we'll have Winky back at the broadcast table. I'm convinced many, many times during this upcoming year, especially in light of the fact there's going to be a fourth election within two years in the Jewish state of Israel. Well, right now we're going to focus on another region of the world key to understanding the prophetic scenario that is found in Bible prophecy. I'm talking about the European Union, our man who covers that for us, John Rood. John, Happy New Year to you, my dear friend. Haven't talked to you since last year. <laughs> right. Yes, and we pray that everything's okay with you where you are. Well, let's get started with looking into the future. I know at the end of the year, Brexit became finalized. Boris Johnson was able to pull it off, and they finalized their withdrawal from the European Union. Now, let me ask this. Any other EU member states that may depart because of what happened with Brexit? And let me also put in there, what about Brexit? Does it have any more bumps in the road as we go into this new year? Brexit, of course, is going to bring some changes. 
but people will generally see in the United Kingdom that it will be a smooth transition, sort of, sort of I would say, like the Y2K, where there was a lot of uh, concern. But they'll be able to navigate that, I'm sure, and will come out quite well. Looking for the European Union, you know, who could be next to leave, there's an interesting approach to this. You know, we can see and monitor possibilities of who will leave, Right now, the top three nations in order that could be the next country to leave the EU are Italy, Greece, and France. But at the same time, you know, the EU, I think about this, the EU likes this multi-tiered approach. And so what we're seeing eventually is a 10-nation confederation of nations that will strengthen on the inside. So it's both factors together, the countries that will leave, and the countries that will strengthen together, which would necessitate a political union. So I I believe we'll see both of those trends. Article 50 is how a country can leave the EU. It took the U.K. three full years to make it happen, and there's no provision for a nation to be expelled. And so I do see that we'll see a strengthening uh, on the political scene But look particularly at Italy. That's the number one country that could have a Brexit-style exit. And recent poll shows 49% of Italians are in favor of leaving the European Union. We'll have to watch and see. Stay on top of that story with you, John. By the way, you mentioned a 10-nation confederation. That's found in Bible prophecy. Daniel chapter 7, Revelation chapter 13, and also chapter 17. So we'll continue to watch this story in light of the prophetic scenario that is found in God's Word. Over the year 2020, John, I know that anti-Semitism in the European Union intensified. What about this next year? Is it going to continue to get stronger anti-Jewish sentiment in the European Union, or what, in your mind, is going to take place? I do believe that there will be a stronger anti-Jewish sentiment, and that's been the trend from the last uh, recent years. And the EU recognizes that this is not a good trend. Anti-Semitism is definitely on the rise. Uh, but the EU has internal groups, uh, you know, some parliamentary groups, etc., and they're working hard to introduce some new policies, remembrance, education, legislation. Uh, anti-Semitism is monitored uh, closely in the EU. They have all the facts and figures, hate crimes, people's attitudes. Uh, they're trying to do harsher punishments. But deep down, Jimmy, it's they are, have not a mainstream approach. There are some, some groups that want to work and that want to do good. And at the same time, we see Brussels as a whole is working in the Middle East to assert their influence. So there's a measure to work against anti-Semitism in the EU, but it appears like most of their actions It comes out on the weak side. And as anti-Semitism goes in the European Union, that will affect the EU relations with Israel, which, of course, is a prophetic scenario for the future as well. Will that improve in 2021, you think, John? Well, that's the big one, the EU and Israel, the relations. The Middle East is where the EU wants to be influential. This is where they can show some force. 
And it, they've been so one-sided, as we've discussed. The EU has very strong Palestinian ties, and it's holding them back from growing in influence in the region. So it could be, eventually, eventually we do know, in a sense, there'll be a flip where the EU will be uh, very, very involved in the Israel and working for expanding their, their influence. As of now, that momentum is weak. But we can see that this is the area where they can uh, have an opposition to the United States, have their own identity. And so the EU's influence in, in Israel is declining for now. So they could work on something to increase that, although it would not necessarily be good for Israel. One final issue with you, John, and do it quickly if you will. We know NATO was established to defend the European Union member states from Russia. But the European Union wants their own military. How are they in that approach to trying to have their own military? Uh, there are certain incentive initiatives that rise up from time to time. EU desires a real army. They're ready to have their own army, but it requires the strength agreement and the funding. Really, the EU army would be the stepping stone to a political union. I don't think the political union would come first and then the army. They would try to have the army in as much of an operation mode as possible, which would expedite more political unions. So the EU military and NATO, they're supposed to be uh, cooperating, but there's, uh, there's a lot of division between it. And so we'll see certain nations rise up. Uh, France, of course, even left NATO. The EU's just lost the United Kingdom a nuclear power. So we'll see there. That's something to stay tuned. Absolutely. And we'll do that in the year 2021 with John Rood, the man who covers the European Union. We, with him, look at the political as it sets the stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. Happy New Year to you, John. Thank you so much. We'll be talking this next year. Often, I'm absolutely convinced. Very good. Happy New Year to all. Very important report from John Rood as it relates to the European Union and the stage setting that's going on there for the prophetic scenario that is found in God's Word. One of our broadcast partners over this last year has been Itamar Marcus. He heads up the team Palestinian Media Watch. They monitor both the electronic and print media for the Palestinian people. They keep the world informed as to what they're really saying to the Palestinian people. That's why I think it's key to have these conversations with Itamar Marcus. Itamar, thank you for being available. I want to talk to you about the year 2021. And I know you're not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I would love for you to be able to talk to us from your background and experience monitoring the Palestinian media, to talk to us about the intensification of the armed struggle, the Palestinian people wanting all of the state of Israel to be the state of Palestine. Will that armed struggle continue this next year? Well, Fatah, which is the party of Mahmoud Abbas, who runs the Palestinian Authority, just released a video a couple of days ago, it was a video of a march from actually a year ago, but they just released it now. And there were hundreds of people with masks on their faces, holding 
rifles holding automatic weapons and other weapons. And in the background during the march, they were playing all these violence-promoting songs and militant songs. If this is any indication, again, this is Fatah, the party of the leadership of the Palestinian Authority. What they're basically announcing to the world is terror is still an option for the Palestinian Authority. It's not just this video. It's a constant message from the leadership. Terror is part of the uh, bag of tools of the Palestinian Authority. The only reason we had less terror this year, I think the two reasons, one is that Israel's security services have done a great job of stopping terror attacks. And the second reason we had fewer terror attacks was because of uh, COVID-19. And the Palestinian Authority population has, just like the rest of the world, has been very, very focused on that. But as a fundamental ideology of the Palestinian Authority, they, they shout it loud and clear, uh, what they called the armed struggle, which we understand and the world understands as terror, the armed struggle will continue to be one of the tools that the Palestinian Authority will use when they want to achieve political gain. Now, Itamar, you are the team leader for PalWatch.org, PalWatch, Palestinian Media Watch, your organization there in Israel. What are your thoughts? Is the Palestinian media going to continually be used as a propaganda machine in 2021 to incite the Palestinian people? Absolutely. The Palestinian Authority completely controls its media. People who criticize the Palestinian Authority for any reason, not even because of their positions on Israel, but because of their positions on internal matters. For example, there have been reports that we had this week that a, a person who, who was close to Mohammed Dahlan, who is a political alternative to Mahmoud Abbas, he was thrown in jail, really just for the reason of being a, a political opponent. And he apparently wrote something on some Facebook page. So the, the Palestinian Authority uses its media and uses everything that it can to give out its own personal messages. And the messages of incitement to hatred have not stopped until this very day. I mean, for example... Even even talk about COVID-19 and Israel has been so helpful to the Palestinian Authority in giving them supplies to fight the COVID. And in, in the early months of COVID, they absolutely blamed Israel daily for, for spreading it intentionally amongst the Palestinians. When we were doing the opposite, when we were fighting it, we were training their doctors. And we had more accusations like that this week, that we weren't doing enough, that we were intentionally uh, harming the prisoners by not giving them the, the COVID-19 vaccine right away. Uh, so the Palestinian Authority is constantly, constantly inciting two things. It incites hatred, I would say, all the time, through libels and lies and demonization. And when it wants violence, it just turns it up a notch and goes from inciting to hatred to inciting violence and terror. Edomar, I've got to say one of my great concerns as I read your newsletters coming out of your organization, and by the way, those listening, go to palwatch.org, sign up for Edomar's newsletter. It'll keep you informed of what the Palestinian media is really saying to its people. But one of my concerns is the continual coverage of the fact that the Palestinians are training children, young children, 6 to 10 or 12 years of age to hate the Jews and be prepared for the for the long struggle. Will that continue in 2021? 
Unfortunately, that uh, is a fundamental part of uh, Palestinian Authority messaging to kids. The school books that we've studied show that the children are literally taught that every last bit of Israel is theirs and uh, eventually will become theirs. There was a program on uh, Palestinian TV that was filmed inside a school last year, and they showed an exhibit, and the teacher was explaining the exhibit And what was it? It was a map of all of Israel, which had Israeli flags placed all through the map, but every single Israeli flag was ripped in half, ripped to shreds, essentially. And on top of it, it had a Palestinian flag. And what the teacher said is that I made this exhibit to teach the children that this is our goal, that all of Palestine will become Palestine again. Now, this is inside the school system. For our purposes, the media, the TV, is a window to Palestinian society. The problem here wasn't the media. This was a school. And then the teacher went and thanked the principal, who was also standing there, for allowing her to do this important exhibit. So we see it's not just the words of the school book. It's even the exhibits. It's the messages of the entire education system that Israel has no right to exist, Israel will not exist in the future, and you children, this is your responsibility to achieve this. These are the messages that the children are growing up with in the Palestinian Authority. When we end this year and we look toward the next year, we see that the most fundamental uh, principle of which the Oslo Accords was all about, the so-called peace process was all about, which is the Palestinian Authority have recognized Israel's right to exist as a state and they would be some kind of Palestinian entity beside Israel, that doesn't exist yet. It still doesn't exist since 1993 when we signed the Oslo Accords. The Palestinian Authority has not changed one iota. In fact, it's become much worse. Israel still doesn't have a right to exist, and Israel in the future will not exist. In a bar in your most recent newsletter to me, it talked about uh, the Palestinian leadership claiming that Jesus Christ was a Palestinian. Now, of course, you do not recognize Jesus Christ as the Son of God. We understand that, and that's exactly what you get from the prophetic passages of God's Word. But those passages talk about a Jew who would be the Messiah, whether anybody accepts Jesus or not. And the fact is that they're saying Jesus was a Palestinian. That bothers me. Even one of the Senate candidates in Georgia says that Jesus was a Palestinian. What are your thoughts about this statement by the Palestinians? Well, of course, it's it's part of the Palestinian Authority trying to refashion a world to fit their ideology. There was no such thing in history as a Palestinian state, a Palestinian nation, a Palestinian people. is a very, very modern invention. It really started in 1965 with the establishment of the PLO and terror uh, by Yasser Arafat and the PLO. That was the, really the beginning of the time that people started identifying as Palestinians. Uh, until then, they were Arabs. They were Arabs of Israel, Arabs of Jordan, Arabs of Egypt, and they were Arabs of the West Bank of Jordan. Nobody was thinking Palestinian uh, until the terror started. But the Palestinians tell their people and want their people to believe that they have a history that is based on the land and that they've been here even before the Jewish people were here. So what do they do? They take one of the most significant people in in history. They take Jesus, who was certainly a Jew and certainly a Judean, 
and according to Christian sources and according to Jewish sources, he was a Jewish Judean. And they turned him into a Palestinian. They literally erase Jewish history in Jesus and everything else that happened in Jewish history. The temple, which I know Christianity talks about Jesus and, and, and being in the temple, that's erased. There was no temple, they say. They not only turned him into a Palestinian, they also turned him into a Muslim. And they say that Jesus was a Muslim prophet. And who said this on TV? No one less than the Mufti of the Palestinian Authority, the highest religious figure appointed by Mahmoud Abbas. It completely erases not just Jewish tradition, but it erases Christian tradition, and it erases the validity of Christianity by saying that Jesus actually didn't teach Christianity, but he taught Islam. They're saying that all of Christianity has no real basis in any source. So this is the Palestinian Authority. They don't care about reality. They care about their own political ideology. They want their children to believe that they have a connection, that they have a land, that they have a history, and therefore they're going to get it back. And if they're going to steal Jesus from the Christian world, they're going to do that as well. The Palestinian people do not care about reality. That's what Itamar just said, but they do not care about truth either. And that's why Itamar and his team give a great service to not only those on my broadcast, but the entire world as we get the truth from what they are saying. Itamar, thank you so very much. Appreciate it. Great report for us today. Thank you. We'll talk again this coming year. Thank you very much. and wishing you a happy, great holiday season and a great new year. Thank you, sir. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I've got one more broadcast partner, David James. He's standing by. We'll look at the Christian community in 2021. You don't want to miss that conversation. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. On this special edition of Prophecy Today, 2021, a prophetic perspective. Thus far, we've had five of our broadcast partners at the broadcast table to give us their understanding of how 2021 may unfold, thinking about the current events of last year, and then projecting into the new year. One more broadcast partner, David James, comes in a moment to look at the Christian community in 2021. Uh, let me have you go to my website, prophecytoday.com. On the home page, if you'll scroll down, you'll find the poll question. That question is, as we look ahead into 2021, do you believe that this new year could be the beginning of the fulfillment of the prophetic scenario that is found in the Bible? That's the poll question. Be sure to go to my website, prophecytoday.com, and answer the question. We now bring to these microphones David James. It's time for the weekly conversation that I have with David we focus on an issue that the body of Christ needs a biblical perspective of. And remember last week we talked about 2020, a year in review. Well, this week it's going to be 2021, the year in preview. In other words, a prophetic perspective for this upcoming year. David, this week we have a listener who sent us an email about a topic that actually we haven't covered before, 
and it's the biblical drama series, The Chosen. It's about the life of Christ, and our listener asked for our honest evaluation. Would you give us that, please? Sure. Well, I edited the email because of time, but the gist was this. I recognize The Chosen has some interesting plots and directions, as well as some artistic Hollywood license, but I'm loving the series. I'm a strong believer in Christ and the Bible and recognize potential errors, but with all the garbage out there, I'm finding it to be a wonderful, heart-moving production that I think can move people to a relationship with Christ. And then he goes on to say, now, some say The Chosen is satanic and Mormon influence, and on and on, and I'm just disappointed about having the wind knocked out of my sails by warnings about how dangerous and anti-biblical it is, so I guess I'm just asking for your thoughts. So, Jimmy, I did quite a bit of research this week, so overall, I'd say the series is interesting, and it has high production values and excellent acting, and is even powerful at points. Nothing anti-biblical stood out to me, but it is obviously extra-biblical in that there are added people and situations for backstory and added dialogue from Jesus. And since Jesus is God, those additions are of legitimate concern as we think about adding to the Word of God. So that's a point that just kind of needs to be worked through, I guess, by each individual. Uh, The Chosen was created and produced by Dallas Jenkins. He's the son of Jerry. Jenkins of the Left Behind series, so it's generally biblical, and his consultants include a Biola professor, a Messianic pastor, and a Catholic priest, which is a potential concern. And then finally, the distribution and viewing platform is something called Bid Angel Studios, which is a Mormon company, and so my advice, Jimmy, is to proceed with caution and understand that it doesn't replace the Bible. Great evaluation, David. As our regular listeners know, last week we did, as I said a moment ago, a review of some of the major news stories that we covered in 2020. And this week we're doing a preview of what we anticipate may be important issues in 2021. What do you think those important issues are? Well, Jimmy, I'm sure there will be a lot of things that we can't anticipate, just like the pandemic and rioting in 2020. But I think we can extrapolate from some things that are still in play and other things that we've been watching develop. Of course, the biggest concern right now is the COVID pandemic uh, with a growing number of daily cases and deaths, as well as concerns about more virulent strains popping up. And of course, the vaccines are also controversial. And uh, results of the presidential election are still playing out with ongoing charges of fraud and corruption, and not to mention Joe Biden's promises to reverse many things that President Trump has done uh, that the Democrats don't like. Uh, There's still the runoff ahead on January 5th in Georgia that could affect the balance of power in the Senate. The civil unrest isn't as heated overall as it was at times last year, but there are still statues being taken down, and the names of schools and sports teams are being reviewed for changes, and uh, violence continues to soar in some cities like Seattle. And then there's that bombing on Christmas Day. There's something really strange about that that we're still thinking through. And of course, there are the many geopolitical issues around 
around the world with the usual suspects always poised to cause some serious international problems. And another concern, Jimmy, that we talk about from time to time is the ongoing war on Christianity and the persecution of Christians around the world. David, we're now weeks past the presidential election and the Electoral College confirming Joe Biden as the the next president of the United States. That happened on December the 14th. So it seems that the outcome is fairly certain at this point in time. You never can tell what may happen. But what are your thoughts on this going into the new year, and what can we expect from a Biden-Harris administration? Well, Jimmy, even though Joe Biden was confirmed by the Electoral College, on Christmas Day, the Gateway Pundit ran a story about a major information drop coming around January 6th concerning election fraud. And apparently, according to that article, some White House staff was told to stop packing, and Kamala Harris hasn't yet vacated her Senate seat. But on the other hand, to be honest, the Gateway Pundit has been called a far-right fake news outlet. So, Jimmy, I just don't don't know where this is going. But setting that aside, if it does end up being a Biden-Harris administration, we need to be ready for some dramatic changes. In early November, CNN ran an article with the title, Biden Plans Executive Actions That Would Undo Trump's Policies. And the lead paragraph read this way, President-elect Joe Biden has pledged to reassert the United States' leadership role on the global stage through a series of day-one executive actions that would mark a drastic turn from outgoing President Donald Trump's policies. And then the article went on to say he is also poised to enact a series of executive actions that would undo many of Trump's foreign policy actions and seek to rapidly return the United States to its status at the end of former President Barack Obama's administration four years earlier. And, And Jimmy, if Biden steps down early on, which I think is highly likely, things could be far worse under a Harris administration as she's considered by some to be the most liberal senator in Congress. David, let's uh, look at the coronavirus pandemic. Last week, you mentioned that you thought this whole thing might be about to spin out of control, even worse than what we experienced in 2020. Give me your thoughts. Well, there's no way to know for sure, but there are some troubling signs. For example, on Christmas Eve, the AP cited the Africa CDC with the headline, New Virus Variant Appears to Emerge in Nigeria. And, Jimmy, that's on top of different variants in both the U.K. and South Africa. And the BBC ran an article just over a week ago that said this, Scientists are racing to find out whether these variants are more transmissible or could present challenges for the COVID vaccine. All viruses naturally mutate, and the SARS-CoV-2 is no exception, accumulating an estimated one or two changes a month. And then the article went on to say, there are strong suspicions both variants may be spreading faster than expected, but this is still unclear. A key question is whether the mutations might have implications for the effectiveness of vaccines. So, Jimmy, the fact is that no one seems to have any idea what is coming or how to deal with it. 
and another thing, honestly, that I've thought about over this whole past year is why is it that almost every government in the world started shutting things down last March? When has that ever happened globally? Was there intel coming out of China they weren't telling us about that had world leaders running scared and so acting uniformly? And now we're seeing a second wave of shutdowns that are tighter than the first round in some cases. For example, Hungary may be the first to implement a COVID passport for travel. And and then there's the vaccine rollout. Some are very concerned about government, employer, and school mandates because of intrusion into personal freedoms and or the contents and possible side effects of the vaccine. David, another troubling development connected to the coronavirus pandemic is something called the Great Reset. I know this has generated a a lot of reaction on blogs and in the social media are those who are concerned about the globalist agenda. Can you just take a moment and explain what this is and why it could become a big issue in 2021? Sure. Uh, The Great Recent was announced in June by the World Economic Forum. And while I'm not an alarmist or a conspiracy theorist, we do know Satan has an agenda, and biblically we know that evil spiritual forces are at work. Uh, Back in June, The Guardian carried an article with the title, Pandemic is Chance to Reset Global Economy, says Prince Charles. And the article opened this way. The recovery from the coronavirus crisis represents an opportunity to reset the global economy and prioritize sustainable development without further damaging the planet, Prince Charles said at the opening of a World Economic Forum virtual meeting. Outlining a five-point plan to rebuild economies following a global recession, the 71-year-old prince said the pandemic was the result of a breakdown in the link between humanity and nature that could be corrected by recognizing the interdependence of all things. So, Jimmy, right now on the World Economic Forum website, you can find the following statement. To achieve a better outcome, the world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies, from education to social contracts and working conditions. Every country from the United States to China must participate in every industry, from oil and gas to tech, must be transformed. In short, we need a a great reset of capitalism. So, Jimmy, whether the COVID pandemic has been engineered or just hijacked, Without question, it's being exploited at the highest levels of international governments in order to facilitate radical global transformation. And they're marketing it with innocuous catchphrases like sustainability, inclusivity, and equality. It's a spooky thing that's going on. Well, it certainly is, and thank you for giving us some insight into the Great Reset. Well, David, as we wrap it up, I want you to circle back to something you mentioned earlier, and that is the ongoing war on Christianity and the persecution of Christians around the world. Well, in November, Christianity Today ran an article titled, Pew and IDOP agree religious persecution is worsening worldwide. And that article noted that considered together, 40% of the world faces significant hindrance in worshiping God freely, and the trend continues to be negative. And Jimmy, the article went on to say, since 2007, when Pew began its groundbreaking survey, the median level of government restrictions has risen 65%, and the level of social hostility 
activities has doubled. And, Jimmy, the trajectory is not in a good direction. And to be honest, in the long run, the Great Reset isn't helpful either. Every year, Open Doors releases their annual list of 50 countries where Christians face the most severe persecution, and the, and the top 10 countries include North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, and so on. But Nigeria is becoming the biggest killing ground of Christians in the world because of Boko Haram and Fulani uh, militants, with some estimating that between 50 to 70,000 Christians have been killed in the last decade. And it looks to become worse in 2021. Yes, uh, 2021 will be a bad year, but the Bible tells us it's only going to continue on until many, many believers in Jesus Christ are going to be taken out. David, great report as we look into 2021. Appreciate your work and research on the issues. Thank you so much for coming to the table with me each and every week this last year. And it looks like in 2021, we'll have to continue to have our conversations on a weekly basis. We'll have another issue next week. Thank you, David. We'll talk to you then. We'll do it till the Lord returns. Thanks, Jimmy. We're going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I'm going to open up my Bible. We're going to take a look at the book because we need to understand what God's Word says about all the issues that we have projected may come to pass in 2021. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services, and the courses for weekend conferences of 6 to 10 hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website. I look forward to hearing from you. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. On this special edition of Prophecy Today Weekend, 
2021, a prophetic perspective, I brought my broadcast partners to the broadcast table to look ahead into the new year 2021. Now let me say my broadcast partners are not prophets nor even sons of prophets. However, each of them, with many years of experience, have an understanding of the area of expertise that they cover, and they can give us information that helps us to see how current events in the coming new year may well work to set God's prophetic scenario in place to be fulfilled. Well, as we conclude this first broadcast in 2021, I want to rehearse some of the thoughts from my broadcast partners and give you my prophetic perspective. Ken Timmerman at the broadcast table, and in our conversation, we talked about the next president, whoever that may be, and the decisions, political decisions, that he will make on Russia, Iran, and China. Whoever that next American president might be, he will have been ordained by God to be in that position. That's Romans chapter 13 and verse 1. And by the way, God will put into this leader's heart to make political decisions that will fulfill his will. That's Revelation chapter 17 verse 17. This next president is going to have to deal with Russia, Iran, and China. God's got a plan for all of these nations, and he will work through the political leader of America to accomplish his will. David Dolan gave us his Middle East news update. This last year, the Abraham Accords were very major. I asked David about peace talks with other Arab nations in this coming year, and that would include the Palestinians as well. Remember, major in 2020, the Abraham Accords. And David and I both agree that other Arab states may well move to normalized relations with the Jewish state of Israel. Now, this may look like peace is coming to the Middle East. However, at some point in the future, there is going to be a failure in these peace agreements with Israel. That's Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27, which tells us that then the Antichrist will come on the scene and confirm these peace agreements. That will start the clock ticking on the seven-year tribulation period. Winky Madad, longtime broadcaster with us, came to the microphone to talk about the fourth election in Israel within a two-year period of time. I want to remind you that God did institute human government to direct humankind and nations. Again, as I said when talking with Ken, that's Revelation chapter 17 and verse 17, where the Lord will use human government and human political leaders to make those political decisions to accomplish his will. Therefore, it is indicative that Israel must have a stable government so that the Lord can lead them into the future. 
John Rood is the man who covers the European Union with us. We talked often this last year about the United Kingdom and exiting from the European Union. Other EU member states may leave the EU as well. Remember, the European Union is at least the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire. You can find that in Daniel chapter 7, Revelation chapter 13, and also chapter 17. 27 member states remain in the European Union. The Bible calls for 10 kingdoms or states or nations or whatever. Other EU states, therefore, must exit. And God has a plan for that to happen. Itamar Marcus, who heads up the Palestinian Media Watch, monitoring the Palestinian electronic and print media, talked about the armed conflict and a Palestinian Jesus. Remember, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict is 4,000 years old. It dates back to Genesis chapter 25 with the birth of Jacob and Esau twin boys who would grow up and be responsible for a nation that would have conflict with the other. Malachi chapter 1 talks about the return of the Palestinian people into Israel. Ezekiel chapter 35 verses 5 and 10 talks about the Palestinians killing the Jews and then stealing their land. And of course, Obadiah talks about the demise of the Palestinians forever. That's Obadiah, verses 15 to 18. David James and I, with our weekly conversation, look at issues that confront the Christian community, and then we give a biblical perspective on those issues. David looked at the Christian community into the future of 2021 And a couple of his top points was that the Christian community will move away from studying the Word of God and being soul winners. Now, those are two key points that the evangelical community, the Christian community, must pay attention to. 2 Timothy chapter 3 talks about the end times. Chapter 4, the Apostle Paul, in his swan song, talked about the fact that In the last days, people will have itching ears, not paying attention to the Word of God, but he said, preach the Word anyway. And the only reason that Jesus Christ has not come to gather us up at the rapture is 2 Peter 3, verse 9, he is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to know him as Lord and Savior. Verse 12 in that chapter says, we can hasten his coming. You know, my broadcast partners may have not been able to get it all right, but God's Word is absolute. Each focus for the new year from my broadcast partners seems to be leading up to the next event in God's calendar, and that is the rapture of the church. That rapture could actually take place today. And having said that, Nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today.